You are listening to the End Time Podcast. We live in a time when there has been so much truth and so much deceit heralded as the Word of God. A time when the word prophet can stir so many controversial thoughts, heated conversations, and conflicted feelings. But Holy Scripture says to believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. This special series of episodes is a discussion around these thoughts and feelings. What makes a true prophet, and do they still exist? It is possible to tell the difference between the truth and the false. What is the characteristics of a true prophet and his prophecies? Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this episode. I want to go back again to John chapter 3. As we've talked about, in the great mind of God, in his program, he was pointing towards something. He was always moving forward. And I want to just jump ahead now into the life of Christ and how Jesus would sit down with Nicodemus, a great teacher in Israel and a ruler of of the Jews. And he came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. So no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So now we see already he's been vindicated in the eyes of the people that this is more than just an ordinary man. At minimum, they're looking at him saying, you're a rabbi, which is teacher, and you're a prophet. We could see that God's got to be with you in order to do these things. But if we jump all the way down to verse 16, which is familiar to most anyone who's read the Bible, which is say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And often we want to stop there, but I want to read the next verse as well in verse 18 says he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god i want to directly compare that for a moment to a scripture we've been referring to a lot lately and that is in deuteronomy chapter 18 as Moses would prophesy after Moses was vindicated and he would bring his message and he was the lawgiver. But now he would come down into the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy and begin to say, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have spoken, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. But I will raise, and I will raise up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. And it shall come to pass, in verse 19, it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, 
which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. That's why Jesus would even write, Jesus would even speak when Nicodemus in John 3 and verse 16, he would go through and say, if, if you don't believe, you're already condemned. It's already written in the, in the law. It's already written by Moses, by the prophecy of me. If you don't believe his words, it will be required of you. I didn't come in to condemn with my words, with my message. I came to save the world. But if you won't believe me, you're already condemned. You're refusing your salvation. Jesus wasn't just someone that started out years down the road where God began to reveal himself to him. He was born a, a very special and a very peculiar birth as he was virgin born. And he was even born under a sign. And the one thing I actually find um, uh, about Jesus and, and how God portrays the whole picture of him coming is how God is, is hiding himself in simplicity. God is condescending, this, the king of all, the creator of all things. Here he is condescending in the office of a prophet, in the office of a king, in the office of a priest. And he's done in such a simplicity that it almost stumbles the people. That it's hard for them to actually recognize it. In Isaiah, God had spoken to the prophet Isaiah. And, and this will tie back a, a little bit to what Brother Andrew said about a sign. And it was in Isaiah 7. He said, ask a sign of the Lord. And this is in verse 11. And uh, in verse 14, it said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive, bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. That is God with us. So the God that was with Moses, when, when Moses went down into uh, to deliver the people of Egypt. It was God that had said, I will come down. I am come down to deliver my people. But he did it through a human vessel. Now God, who had dwelt in the heavens, was going to come down and, and give the same words of life through a human vessel. And, and it was going to be multifaceted uh, because this was the prophet of all the prophets. This was the prophet that Moses had foretold of, that Isaiah had foretold of. This was the one that, that other prophets in the Bible had told of. And yes, he would be a king, and yes, he, he would be a priest, and, and yes, all of these things. But this, this is, again, the vindication of God, that he is now going to speak on earth. And um, the words are forever inscribed, and they still speak to us today. That God spoke, the prophecies in days of old were given, that it was the Holy Ghost that moved on the hearts of the prophets, and they began to speak. It was the Word of God. They became a microphone. The same Holy Ghost that spoke through Moses, the same one that would speak through David. There, there's In the Old Testament, there's, uh, I believe, over 300 Old Testament prophecies speaking of the Lord Jesus, which the statistical probability of him ever fulfilling all of those is astronomically against him, but yet he fulfilled every single one. And 
Isaiah would speak, inspire the Holy Ghost, you'll receive a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And all these prophets would begin to speak of one to come. But then it comes down, and we would find it in, in Matthew and in Luke, where now an angel would even appear to the Virgin Mary. And as the angel would begin to speak, she would, he would begin to say, Behold, you know, the house found favor with God. And he, and he goes on to say, The Holy Ghost will overshadow thee. The same spirit that spoke of what would happen is now here to bring it to pass. To manifest the word that was spoken through all the Old Testament. In all of the, the simplicity of it, in all of the lowliness of it, that was the greatest event that was happening in the whole world. And God showed it with a sign when angels came down to shepherds and began to sing. They began to declare the message that was there. The Messiah has come. There was a star. Those those angels were so bright in the sky. There was a star that met wise men of the east. Magi's would recognize that star and they would see in the scripture the words of Balaam that would write out of Jacob, I will raise up a star. And they say, we have to go. Jacob is Israel. We have to go to, to Israel to see what this is about. This is something supernatural. All of it was a sign that was God vindicating he was doing something. So, Brother Andrew, you, you could also look at um, the establishment of a prophet as we spoke about in Jeremiah who was called from the womb. Well, that was a type of a greater one that was called from the womb, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you, could, you could also take Samuel, who God ordained. You, you could take Moses, who had a peculiar birth. And, and none had a birth that was more supernatural than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can take the establishment of that, and, and if you turn to the book of Luke in chapter 2, verse 40, you, you begin to see the establishment of, of a prophet. And the Bible says the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And uh, it you begin to see this play out. At the age of 12, they would, went up to Jerusalem in the feast. And um, this is when jo Joseph and Mary were there every year at the feast of the Passover. They had left the feast, and somehow in the midst of all of it, they lost the Lord Jesus. And, and after three days, they found him, in verse 46, sitting in the midst of the temple, in the midst of the doctors, hearing them, asking them questions, and they all were astonished at his understanding and his answers. This wasn't just learned by man. This was, was God speaking through, even in an, in an early form, through his only begotten son, through the vessel uh, of what would become a prophetic office. And you, you, you look at just the beginning of this, and in, chapter 50, in verse 52, it said, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And, and this was God establishing what was to come. We can see that, that just through the type of, of, of Samuel, as you brought out, just God establishing that pattern. And when he brought it to the Lord Jesus, he didn't break the pattern. 
he kept it right in that just even as a as a boy, 12 years old, how he'd be in there and how he couldn't, because he was a the prophet of prophets, he couldn't break the word. Even when Mary came and said, your father and I have sought you with tears. He right away had to correct the error because he was the word. He, he couldn't he couldn't break that. He knew that Joseph wasn't his father. He knew it was God. He had to be about his father's business. And and it, and if if Luke would even go on, he would come to a place in Luke chapter four where he would be tempted in the wilderness, where he went out and he would fast and pr- fast for forty days, and then he was tempted of the devil, and he overcame the devil. So now it wasn't just that he gained favor with God and man, but also now he's overcome the enemy. This this brings it right into a very personal place where he had to stand, he had to overcome, he had to be tempted in all manner like we are, and he had to overcome. And Jesus began to perform miracles. The first miracle Jesus performed was at the marriage of Cana, where he turned the water into wine. And that, that has a, a whole significance in itself. But as he began to do these things, it was because his ministry had come and he began to uh, be, as much as he was always about the father's business, he began to just be moved by the leadership of the father. And he says, I could do nothing at one point. He says, I can do nothing but what the father shows me. He built up such a, a reputation, such a ministry, Till even the rulers of the synagogues, Nicodemus, the different ones, it wasn't just Nicodemus, but others who would recognize he had to have come from God. They even looked back and seen the pattern in his own life, and they could look back at the Old Testament and what they were trained under, and they could see this had to be of God. This followed the same pattern. This this was the same works, this was the same miracles, this is the same God that is moving in our midst. Um, like you were saying about um, how he starts his ministry with the signs and wonders and all that, I think we were talking about that in a previous episode as well, about the signs and all that, and and you can see that the signs were actually pointing to something as well. They were pointing to a message that was to come. So the sign was kind of the base on the hook. Right, to get them because he had a message that he was bringing. And we look at it in, in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He said, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he had a message that he was bringing forth. But before the message came, there was a sign that went forth. And we can look all the way back in the, in the lives of all the prophets as well, how the sign goes forth, but there's a message, and that's the main thing. The, the sign is the attraction, which is good, but the main thing is the message that follows. Uh, and sometimes, and we can see throughout the Bible that so far as there were signs, he had lots of followers. You know, you ha- he had all these people until the day he started to actually bring the word forth and say, until, you know, you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And now as the message is trying to come forth, now the people are saying, well, we, this is too hard for us to take. So we, we, we're thrown in a way. So we can say that the signs are the attraction to people, to attract the people to, uh, to believe. 
That brings us right into Matthew chapter 16. Because in Matthew chapter 16, he be, Jesus took his disciples aside. He began to ask them because he built up a reputation amongst the people. And now he begins to ask them and say, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So Jesus begins to ask his those that are close to him, Who does everyone say that I am? And, and they respond and say, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They're recognizing a pattern. They're seeing and saying, this is the same spirit. But they don't want to come out right because it, you can't in your own self recognize it. It's got to be by revelation. God has to reveal himself to you. The message for your day, as he has to for me and for everyone else, so to everyone that it wasn't revealed to, they were looking at saying, I recognize there's something here. This is something that we've, we like, we've looked to. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, but whom do you say? Whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is Jesus' response to him. He says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, you, you can't just learn this in a school. You can't just learn. You can learn history. You can learn, and you can, they could look back in history and say, we've seen Elijah, and this is like Elijah. We've seen Jeremiah, and this is like Jeremiah. But they couldn't look at it and see, this is the Christ. They couldn't teach that. That was the revelation for that day. And, and, and Jesus even goes further and he says, and upon this rock, which a rock, stone, is a revelation. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The revelation of who Jesus Christ is. I know I could say that without too much explanation because we've done episodes on that. So he just gets to that with his close disciples where he comes and you see the difference between what man can teach and what revelation brings you. But then he takes three of them up on a mountain. Yeah, you can find that in, in Matthew 17. That's a, in the next verse. And now he takes the same Peter who has explained to him um, what men think and what he has seen. And now Jesus takes these three apart into this high mountain. And while he's there, uh, the supernatural takes place. He's transfigured before them. His face shines. His raiment is white as light. And all of a sudden, in this supernatural, here is two prophets, Moses and Elias talking with him. Now, again, if we can keep the pattern and keep the thought of, of what God was projecting back in the time of Moses when he said, I'll raise up a prophet, and, and whosoever won't hear him. Uh, in other words, the authority God was going to place back into a human vessel. But here, here is now an identification with the past, Moses and Elias, Peter, you know, he's, he's, 
he's recognizing this is special and maybe in a nervous way he said let's build three tabernacles you know one for you one for moses one for elijah and and while he's doing this a voice from heaven comes forward and said in other words stop this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased hear ye him so now this is from heaven this is supernatural this is this is that voice that everybody was scared of back in Exodus. And when the disciples heard this voice, they fell on their face. They were afraid. And, and this, is, this is the part that is amazing is when they all lifted up their eyes, Jesus says, arise, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they no longer saw Moses. They no longer saw Elijah. They saw Jesus only. So this is God putting his stamp of authority on on all the pattern that was laid there now it's being established now it's being put forth in in you know we could almost call it a masterpiece this was god's finished work is of 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 projecting himself through man uh i believe in the uh episode uh the last episode that we we talk um there was a uh, a question that uh, I, I remember correct, uh, how we can recognize the gift of the prophet in our in our in our generation or, or in our date. Um, there's a story in the Bible that are really uh, when I read it for the first time, I couldn't understood. But you find this this story on John four. It talks to, to uh, a woman that was living in a uh, unclean life i would say that way but i believe that was the first person that recognized the gift of a prophet in her time the woman of the world i'm talking about when jesus this is some of the scripture that i'm gonna kind of refer right now says jesus was speaking with her he said go and get your husband so while he's speaking with her she started to recognize the gift that was in the man the gift that was speaking with 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 her and that that's the signs that uh brother max i, I believe was talking about that uh, are the signs of a prophet so she said uh when when jesus told her go and get your husband she said uh she answered i have none but jesus said you said right you said the truth you don't have none but you have five and the one you you living now is not your husband. So I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but you find this this story in John four, from verse seven to nineteen somewhere there. She said, "I perceive." That's a verse nineteen. Says, "I perceive that you are a prophet." That's this woman recognized that gift that was speaking to her was something that they waiting for. So the woman said unto him, I know when I know that the Messiah's cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speaketh unto thee am he. So when she recognized the gift, he vindicated himself that he was the Messiah and the signs that he performed unto her 
what's the sign of the prophet? That was very good, Brother Tito. That 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 really um, the key is is there is to you could have looked at Jesus from the outside. He looked like any other man. But when you recognize the sign, when, when you could see Jesus now coming and and you know, he would start earlier in that, that chapter when she's look she's at the well and she she's looking for water and Jesus said, If you knew the gift of God, you would ask me for something to drink. And he proceeded to reveal himself. So he would start by by um, going and contacting her spirit. And, and he began to recognize she was hungering, she was thirsting for something. Amen. And, and, and this was the answer. And so he started by, by just going to her personal life and maybe what was wrong. And, and, and then she, she began to recognize this isn't just a man anymore. This is, this is, this is a gift. And, and it began to discern and began to... And that's when she said, I believe you're a prophet. And uh, I, I believe when God sends a prophet, it's there not to be, uh, it can be mysterious because God just doesn't allow anybody to come. But for those that are hungering and thirsting for him, he will make himself known to them. And I, I believe God, that, that's the whole reason, the God that was a fearful God on the mountain that they didn't want to hear. But when he would come into the, office of a man through a prophet he could contact people in their everyday lives and he could really touch them at a place where where god would use this office we we can see that that woman when she realized he was a prophet that sign was done she had a question for him she said sir they they worship here we worship here. Where do we worship it? She comes with this question. She comes with a word question, something, the thing that was burning on her heart. How do I get to God? How do I worship God? How can I? And there was Jesus after he had had that sign, the, the sign was come forth to prove that I am a prophet. Now a message could come forth. Now he could come into her personal life and answer her thoughts and answer and, 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 and take her even word question that she had and, and God could move in that. Yeah. And it meant so much to her. She's Bible recourse. She dropped her watering pot. She believed. She believed not just the sign. She believed the message. And she said, she dropped everything. She said, come see a man who's told me all things. Isn't this the very Messiah? Isn't this the one that we've been waiting for? Paul brings an interesting parallel in the book of Hebrews and talking about Christ and Moses, and it's in Hebrews chapter 3. And he tells the brethren, he says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in his house. Now, now Moses was faithful to express what God told him to speak. And so Paul's drawing this parallel. But then he says, this man, Christ, is worthy of more glory than Moses because he built the house and he has more honor than the house. So this was God 
coming through the office of a prophet, but projecting himself. And again, Paul says in verse 5, as Moses was faithful in his house as a servant and a testimony for things that were to be spoken after, a pattern, verse 6, but now Christ as a son over his own house. And then this is the interesting part that we can go to, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. But again, God doing everything in a pattern. And Christ was an expression of that pattern that started back in the Old Testament through the prophets. You, you mentioned it earlier too, how it was that same voice on the mountain that was so dreadful. And then as we read it in Deuteronomy chapter 18, where in verse 17, where it says, The Lord said unto me, And they have well spoken for that which they have spoken. That they said, Don't let that speak. Let the prophet speak. And God said, that's good because I'm going to come down. And this now was the manifestation that he could come down, that same voice, right to this little ill-famed woman. God bless you. And thank you for listening to this episode. We're grateful for every time that you listen. You can find us on Instagram at endtimepodcasts. You can send us an email at etpodcast at etmtab.com. And until next time, God bless you.